0: Have you heard that story about how audiences panicked when the Lumiere brothers showed their film A Train Arrives at the Station in 1895? Apparently the audience thought the train was real and tried to escape from the cinema. Now it might be one of those cinematic myths of course, but yes, maybe some people actually thought moving pictures were scary in those early days. In any case, to use the new medium to scare people eventually became a cornerstone of the movie business. Mainly thanks to the expressionistic German horror flicks of the 20s and the classic Hollywood horror films from Universal in the 30s. And to do so, to scare moviegoers, filmmakers have many tricks up their sleeves. There are, after all, so many ways to scare people. You can use the BOO method to jump up in front of a person and jump scare him or her. It's a trick probably as old as mankind. I bet storytellers of the stone age used that trick every time they told a spooky mammoth story. And it has been used with great effect in many films. We all remember Dana Croyd and Albert Brooks in that scene in Twilight Zone the movie from 1983.
1: You, you want to see something really
0: scary? And then we have the method of almost showing something, but not entirely showing it. So that the audiences have to imagine what the scared character in the film actually see. That trick uses psychology in a great way because it forces us to open doors in our own brains that we'd rather not open. Classic example is a scene from the original Halloween film from 1978, when Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis, played by Charles Cyphers and the wonderful Donald Pleasence, finds a dead dog on the floor. We don't see the dead dog, maybe for budget reasons, but Brackets and Loomis's dialogue says it all. And at that moment, we do see what they see, but only in our heads. It's brilliant. It's still warm. He
1: got hungry.
0: Could have
2: been a skunk. Could have. Man wouldn't do that. This isn't a man.
0: And then we have the method of making characters scary because we can't read their faces. Either because they don't show any emotions at all or because they hide their faces. For example, behind a mask, like Michael Myers in those Halloween films. Or in some cases, because they don't have a face. Now, that is deeply unsettling, isn't it? This last kind of scare is used with great effect in one of the episodes of the latest season of the supernatural horror series Lock and Key on Netflix. A sequence with faceless mannequins coming alive. Goodbye Cancer Studios delivered VFX for the series. So let's talk about those effects and other spooky things. Because even if Halloween is far behind us now, we're still in the dark season of the year. And today, the yellow brick road leads to lock and key and scary VFX. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagergen and this is Yellow Brick Road, your destination if you're looking for podcasts about movies, games and visual effects. And today we're going to talk about Netflix series Lock and Key. Some of the VFX in season two of this scary, spooky series was made by Goodbye Kansas Studios, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome two guests from Goodbye Kansas in London, VFX supervisor Ditch Doy and VFX producer Paula Pope. Welcome. Hello.
2: Thank you very much. Good to be here.
0: Nice to have you here. And it's your first visit to Yellowbrick Road, both of you. So so let's start from the very beginning and get to know you. Uh ladies first, Paula, uh, how did you end up in this lovely industry?
2: Well, takes us back a bit, I think. Um <laughs> so I actually started out on this on set uh in model and motion control units back in the nineteen nineties. Um started at entry level and uh did a couple of projects and then moved into the digital department, which back then was quite a small industry in london um and obviously processes were quite different to what they are now um mm. and equipment and we were still using film cameras um so I spent much of my career working at film studios um around London pinewood Shepton, and growing with the industry really and uh most of my time has been spent in production and data departments and that's how I'm here at Good Black Hands now.
0: Mm, nice. Uh, and you, Ditch, what's your story?
1: Um, uh, well, a
0: similar story.
1: It all started out um, in a cinema in 1977 when I saw Star Wars and I went, ah. it blew my mind. I had no idea how they did that and I just knew I wanted to to find out more and and it, do it myself and so yeah I then um sort of went to to to, to Bournemouth University which was the the place to go to um if you wanted to to study anything media and at the time there was this new thing called CG which was (laughs) exciting and scary and new and um and yeah and, and it basically took over my life and I started uh I, I didn't want to do CG. I, I wanted to be a director. But it turns mm. out um, I'm rubbish at that. Um, but I was really quite good at the CG. So I ended up specializing in, in, in that. And, and from my experience at, at Bournemouth, I got um, invited to, to take a job in the industry from a, a fellow colleague who was moving on and needed a, a replacement. And uh, they got in touch with me and uh yeah i i started as a what i call a long distance runner um i was selling software but um mm-hmm. internationally so i was flying all over the world and uh training people and got to meet some amazing uh people and and working in some amazing companies uh like ilm and and digital domain and and places like that back in the day Um, And one of the companies I got to work in was a uh, a small little company in London called the Peerless Camera Company, uh, owned by Kent Houston and uh, Terry Gilliam. And uh, yeah, and I I fell in love. I I wanted to work there (laughs) and I, I installed the software for them. And then a couple of months later, they realized they had no one who could actually work that software. So they asked me to <laughs> to join, and um, so I did. And uh, the first film we did together was 12 Monkeys. And uh, that was a long time ago, but yeah, that that was how I started.
0: A classic. We, we could go on talking for hours, I think, about you two and your histories. So feel free to every now and then just... Throw in a little story from your (laughs) past in the business. But uh, the main topic today is, of course, Lock and Key. It's a supernatural fantasy drama series based on the comic book series by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Developed for television by Carlton Cuse, Meredith Averill and Aaron Ellie Collette. And the list of production companies includes Genre Arts, Hard A Productions, Circular Confusion and IDW entertainment and the second season premiered on netflix just in time for halloween and some of the VFX was produced by you at goodbye cancer studios
2: my husband died last year and i moved my kids to the house where he grew up the kids they are doing great but i can't move on from things that still make no sense to me You would tell me, wouldn't you, if there was something going on?
0: Paula, what is the series about?
2: Well, um, it started off in season one with a family called the Locks, who are uh, the children of the Locks. And their mothers moved back to their uh, father's family home after he was uh, murdered. And um, the children, I think it's Tyler, Kinsey and Bodie, I think are the names, quickly start finding these keys uh, around the house um, and exploring what they are, really. And um, some of them have magical powers and um, secrets which get them into all kinds of mischief and trouble. Um, And uh, they kind of unleash uh, sort of a dark demon side of things as they Hmm. find these keys, Um, who is also looking for particular keys. Um, and I think in season two, they focus more on their kind of um, development as they're getting older towards adults um, and and what these keys mean and what they are as the keeper of the keys. So uh, it's quite interesting from sort of season one, how they develop the characters further. Just because we figured out a few of the keys, we think we know everything.
1: We don't know everything. But we know that Dodge is gone. Why would you turn into someone like Gabe? Because
2: no one's going to suspect him of being anything more than a nerdy little kid who's fallen in love with Kinsey. Do you understand?
0: Good. How did you come in contact with the production?
2: Um, Well, we had initial contact quite early with them on this one because uh, they asked us to do a variety of uh, concept work. Um, through the uh, executive producers so uh, we got on to talking to them about what they were after and um, it was a variety of different uh, concepts uh, a spider um, we did for them and uh, a demon um, and then it sort of developed from there really so it was quite good to to be uh, to start in that early stages and then um, grow that relationship really
0: so so you were involved from those early stages with, with like concepts and stuff and in the end what, what kind of VFX did God by Cancer's deliver uh, ditch um well we started um just
1: art designing a lot of crazy supernatural stuff um and that you know, that's the fun part that's that's when you get to, to throw ideas in and and um and out of that there was one particular uh sort of area which was the the sort of uh, a demonic shop mannequin that we designed um and uh they liked what we we did in 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 sort of the concept stage and we were asked to sort of develop it further um and were eventually av- awarded that little section of the of the series which was great um and yes it was it was um good to be involved at the very early stage because the whole process evolved. It started off as the, the, the shop mannequins being sort of blank and faceless, and then as the, the, the ideas were thrown in, the the, the faces evolved and became uh, the face of a certain character, uh, a character mm. called Eden, um, and we sort of took the the, the process along a certain journey to, to make these mannequins look pretty much like this... Uh, actress who was in the series um, and but it, it it turns out that the more we made it look like the character, the less scary it was
2: mm-hmm. it, it,
1: and, and um, it, uh, there was something kind of eerie and weird about the some of the earlier work we 'd done, so we started off with a generic blank face and then we took <clears> it to a sort of a very stylized. Um, shop mannequin and then we took it further and made it look like the the character but the the scariest moment was sort of somewhere in between and and so we ended up going back and making it look more like uh just this faceless generic shop mannequin um and it was an interesting process because yeah we 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 scanned the actress and we, we went down that whole route um but that wasn't the scary bit, the scary bit was when it was a little bit more emotionless, a little bit more um just faceless
0: yeah uh and i mean but why is i mean faceless uh is scary well why is that you think well why is that scarier is it because we we can't read that face or, or like see the emotions or whatever? um yeah i think that's exactly it i think the there is something we, we
1: are very attuned to reading emotion and, and reading mm-hmm. people's faces and the fact that there is a blank emotionless face mm-hmm. you you can't you want you can't understand it you you can't get behind uh the, the, you don't know the motives the, the motivations and i think uh when something without emotion is attacking you there is mm. just it, 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 it's 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 oh, a little bit like the terminator it's just mm. relentless there is there is nothing there is no emotion behind it it's just programmed to destroy and and i think that was what we were tapping into
0: yeah so so um, so how were these scenes created then were there actors that, that you changed the faces on? or? or? Uh,
2: yeah, so we had um, <coughs> move, uh, uh, actors on set who were like dancers moving around and doing the actual action and then we had to replace the head and neck so it had to be pretty accurate and seamless and that was our first challenge really mm-hmm. was to make sure that, that the match move was perfect on the actual um, head to the body and then... Um, I think also with uh, making them look scary was the movement that they had. So we obviously had extreme movements of the head back and forth and side to side, and and you know that that along with a blank face coming towards you can be quite sort of uh, extreme. So we had to make all of those things part of the emotion as well and the the action. So uh, it was quite a the creative process was. Uh, quite a a long one to uh, get right a lot of backwards and forwards um, with the clients to make sure that they had what they wanted
0: because i guess it's like a second layer it's not just that you need to make it look like it's actually happening it also needs to look scary (laughs) so as you mentioned this the moving of the head and stuff uh, so how did did you make sure that it was scary? You kind of made it and, and sent it to the client, and I said, "No, nah, not scary enough. Could you do it a little more scary?" Or how did it work that that process? Um, well, we were referencing
1: a film, um, uh, Jacob's Ladder, which was ah uh, yes with yeah. the
0: face moving.
1: There was this quick, this yeah. really it's it's, it's an over cranked kind of effect where the head moves really. Uh, mm too fast um and and so there was this th- that was constantly being referred back to um and 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 yeah we had the performances of the 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 actors on on the day uh so we were tied into that but then we had to introduce this sporadic kind of twitching uh spasming kind of effect on top um and and it was a fine line, and because we we transitioned between a totally blank face and the very stylized mannequin's face, but we did it mm. during this spasming kind of motion, so we we hid the transitions in the motion blur that we got from from the twitching, um, and it is quite disconcerting to look at.
0: So the scene is about those mannequins attacking them. What else happens in that scene?
1: Well, yeah, in order for our heroes to escape, um, they use another magic key, which is handy enough. And uh, this magic key is the matchstick key, which creates fire. And uh, so uh, they use the key and and, and they attack the the attacking mannequins with the key. And uh, yeah, they they
0: basically set them on fire. Hmm. So faceless scary mannequins engulfed in fire
2: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, running that's, running towards you <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's scary enough i think uh, but i heard that, that you also created something you've referred to as romantic fire now what on earth is that
2: yeah that's uh that was also kind of a challenge because obviously when you think of fire you think of sort of engulfing huge flames roaring um but we uh the scene that we had uh, was with uh, Tyler and his girlfriend. So we needed to make that not feel so um, heavy with with, uh, fire and make it more of a romantic, subtle movement uh, across the objects. There was a fountain and some um, flower pots because it takes place in a greenhouse. Mm. Um, And we had to sort of have this fire to gently move along. But it was to, to... get that was actually quite a tricky thing because we had some practical fire within the shoot but we also had to add our own CG fire to it as well so um, there was a lot of blending that needed to be um, achieved I think and uh, I think we we got there and I think it looked good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How big was your team that worked on this project?
2: Um, we had a sizable team who worked through uh, the whole project because we had different episodes of uh, obviously Mannequins was the biggest episode and then we had some fire in other episodes um, <clears throat> and we, we started off small in the concept stage um, at the beginning and then grew quite large because we needed a large CG team of look dev artists and animators and lighters and of course compositing team so it was fairly large
0: but but it was done uh, during the the pandemic during lockdown or?
2: uh yes and, uh, and after so yeah it was uh, remotely achieved um mm. so yeah it's uh, another one of the uh, achievements by Kansas we've been able to do um since lockdown various projects that way so we've yeah. we've become pretty good at it now i think
0: <laughs> one of the few upsides <laughs> of covid <laughs> <laughs> how, how does it feel when you deliver the last shot of a project L- like this one for example you, you like twitch you try to find the perfect romantic fire you, you play around with these scary twitching faces and, and then there are proposed finals of the shots that they are approved and then one day the project is over how, how does that feel um, it, uh, this one was a good one this, this, this kind of went by
1: the numbers, the, the clients were amazing, and and the, the the sort of the feedback loop was really good. Uh, mm. So it it felt very much like a, a collaboration along the way, mm. which is always nice to, to to work when you you feel that you are able to to uh, collaborate and introduce ideas, and 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 it was this, almost a shame that that the, the show came. To an end in a way because it yeah. was a nice working relationship. But it didn't come to an end. That, that's the thing. <laughs> it, it didn't stop because what happened was uh, season two just kind of seamlessly blended into season three, which is what we're currently working on. So um, yeah, it, it Netflix were very happy with what they were seeing with, with mm-hmm. season two and so commissioned season three back to back really and, and so we were able to keep the, the, the relationship going and off the back of the, the, what we did in, in the second season we, we started doing concept work for, for the next one and we are now actually at the end of that stage I think we've we've pretty much done all the concepts that I think we're needed, needing to do and now we're moving into production which I can't talk about too much at the moment but yeah we're now on season three.
0: Oh, that's lovely. Season two premiered just before Halloween this year, October 22nd. Uh, you said that Netflix were happy about it. Have you heard any other reactions from people?
2: Um, I've I've heard it. It did very well on Netflix. It got to, uh, I think it was within the top 10 that they have um, listed. I think it got to two or even one in certain countries. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, as far as I know, it went down very well. It seems to be, I mean, season one was very popular, so um, lots of people were waiting for season two to premiere. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, and of course, from that, they want to see more. So (laughs) I think it's been very well received.
0: A favorite film or series in this specific genre?
2: Don't you go first, stitch? Oh, no, <laughs> no, this is awkward
0: because I don't actually enjoy horror films. I don't, I don't like them. Uh, they scare me. <laughs> Who wants to be scared? I'm, yeah, well, I kind of agree, but, but, but th- this is more like on the spooky side, also, in a way. So, so it's not like.
1: Yeah, something a little bit creepy. Well, when I was a hmm. m- uh, young fella, um, I saw something. There was a, a TV show called Sapphire and Steel and this is hmm? this is very niche but um it, it was way back when and uh, it was a little bit across between i don't know X-Files and um i don't know Doctor Who but it was it was it was a bit twilight zone and a little bit creepy and they did an episode where there was a character that had no face
2: hmm. um
1: and it was based on a poem by a guy I, I don't remember, but the poem was um, Yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away.
0: Terrifying. That's
1: Absolutely <laughs> terrifying as a small child. And they did an episode about that. And there was this guy with no face. And it gave me nightmares. And so, yeah, I was able to sort of channel a little bit of that. Into what we did for
0: Lock and Key in the Mannequins. Uh, and you, Paula? Do you um,
2: well, again, I, I don't watch lots of uh, scary genre of films, but um, I, I think mine takes me back for, to when I was growing up as well. and kind of had those uh, films like Poltergeist and, um, mm-hmm. and average Hitchcock films, actually, which were mainly based on suspense, weren't they? That really sort of led... Led you as a viewer, sort of, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? And um, I think the the remakes of those these days are far more sort of blood and gore and and general where people want to be scared a lot more um, and have to go that little bit further. But um, yeah, those are like the ones that always stick in my mind of how scared and I was. Um, and they they have ones these days. I think Slender Man has is one that has a blank face as well, isn't it? There's recent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is quite a scary film. And, um, <laughs> and the ones like Stephen King's It, where we got the clowns, that's always a freaky kind of <laughs> mm. to associate with. So yeah, those sorts of ones are the ones that get me, I think.
0: To me, it's like when I was younger, I enjoyed horror films much more than today. As with yeah. you, I, I don't really like to watch them these days. I, I don't want to be scared anymore, but I think it's something maybe more connected to when you're younger. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I think kids these days do want to be scared much more. <laughs> much more like you have to do more to scare them, <laughs> yeah. and that that links in with like you know theme park rides and things like that need to be much mm-hmm. scarier these days. It seems, but um, yeah, in the dark and and have these themes uh, like sore and just crazy. I I don't want to go on those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but why, why do you think that some people love to be scared so much? Why, why is horror or suspense and stuff like that so important for people?
1: I think people um like to be scared with limits. I think um yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you go on a on, a, on a, a, a a ghost train and you know the limitations you will be scared but you're safe um, yeah. and I think uh, yeah uh, the, the, the adrenaline rush is is great but it's it's nice to experience that knowing that you're not going to end up actually in, in, in genuine peril yeah
2: I think that's exactly it' it's the uh, adrenaline takes over and the suspense of certain things and what's coming next and you know that just uh, just People kind of thrive on, on that, but knowing yeah. you, you're not going to get hurt at the end of it.
0: <laughs> no, and that's nice about the, this uh, lock and key because it can feel scary, but you're pretty safe in the sofa in front of the TV, aren't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, watching someone else do the journey.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I was just about to ask what, what super-secret projects you're working on that you can't talk about, but, but you already said that, that it's lock Key Season 3 then. Uh, are you both working on, on that season? Uh,
2: yep, at the moment, yep, we are. But, uh, we're not supposed to talk about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. I may have let the cat
0: out of the bag a bit there.
2: So, yeah, my answer to that one would be we, we can't really... Go into too much detail at this stage. No,
0: of, of course <laughs> I understand that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to a new episode further down the road next year or something, when we can discuss those effects. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, many thanks for coming and, and chatting about horror and Locking Key
2: thanks for having us yeah,
0: That's thank great. You. and uh, you out there thanks for listening and do mail us if you have questions or suggestions of topics we should discuss you reach us at podcast at goodbycancels.com until next time goodbye er bientom af viderehören wie hörs